Welcome to Satisfy, a monthly program on the The Generation podcast designed to offer practical tools based on biblical principles so that anyone can experience full purity and lead others to do the same. Hello, this is Ryan on the Satisfied podcast here on the The Generation Network. And we have an exciting episode today, and I'll tell you about that in just a minute. But quick, first, a quick update on the Cord app. I know some of you have been asking and uh, understand where we're at right now, but we are about four and a half weeks out from release, and we are incredibly excited about this. I actually have a prototype on my phone right now that I am looking at and uh, very excited about. So uh, we're definitely getting there. Beta, uh, the beta release is next week, and then in five weeks we'll have this out there. So continue to pray about that. Uh, we had a uh, incredible uh, gift come in that um, really, really helped out with the the cost of development. In fact, completely finished the uh, fifty grand that was needed to complete the development. And uh, don't get me wrong, there's other ongoing costs that we'll be facing for sure. And and uh, maintenance fees and server costs and further development and other features we want to add. But uh, we are thrilled to say that the Lord has completely provided for the need to get this thing in the hands of men and women who need help with uh, accountability in their purity journey. So we are thrilled with that. The uh, goal would be to have a table set up at the The Generation Youth Summit coming up here before long. And by the way, the uh, release date for the app is going to be on uh, or at the Youth Summit. So that's going to be an exciting moment there. Uh, the October 11th, the beginning of the Youth Summit, is our release date. So if you're planning on being there, you'll get kind of an inside look. We'll be doing a workshop, walking through it, that kind of thing. So we have that to look forward to. But continue to pray for us. A lot of decisions need to be made at this point still. And uh, even though we're getting uh, very, very close, it seems like there's more work to be done now than in the last six months of development combined. So we'd appreciate your your prayer for wisdom at this time. All right, well, we've been doing a series uh, walking through different stories of victory, and it's been really exciting, but we have not been able to uh, do a in-person, a live interview yet, and there's something about that that um, cannot be matched. And uh, the, the, the authenticity of just having somebody there right beside you walking through their story and uh, so I've appreciated everyone that's written a testimony in and walking through those, and uh, we'll continue to do that. But it's a special, unique privilege today uh, to have someone uh, join me in the studio. I like to call this a studio. We're actually in the guest room of our house right now, but <laughs> it's not even where I normally record, but it works. Uh, but I have him joined here by... Uh, Steve Stozak, who's a friend of mine, he's uh, in the church here at Fellowship Baptist in Taylor's, and uh, he is the head of our bus ministry, so stays very busy with that, with uh, with a lot of young people, has an incredible heart for them, and uh, and then also works at Maddox, I'll let him tell you a little bit about that, but Steve, why don't you start just telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do now. Sure, thanks Ryan, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, the ability to share my story here. Yeah, right now I work for a company called Maddox Industrial Transformer. I do inside sales where I sell low voltage transformers. Been with them for about seven and a half months now. Uh, before that, I was with a Chick fil A for seven and a half years um, as a manager and went through the operator program. Uh, got through 11 or 13 interviews, and the Lord shut the door on that. And that's kind of what led me to go to Maddox. And it's just a Christian company. 
a great group of people that I work with. Uh, we get to open up the Bible every day at nine o'clock. We get to pray together as a company. And uh, the culture there is just right in line with what I've learned at Chick-fil-A. I was just very thankful and blessed that uh, the Lord opened up the door and, and brought me to this company. That's great. That's uh, that's Greenville for you. There's there's so many Christian companies here, and it's a blessing. It's a blessing to, to have a business. In fact, right before we hit record on this podcast, I got a call from uh, one of my clients in our drone photography business who is uh, a great Christian individual, and it's just it's great working with other believers. So that's that's pretty neat. You have that kind of atmosphere in your in your business. Well, why don't we uh, just dive right into uh, your story then? So I've uh, I think rather than just trying to pester you with the questions all the way through, uh, I'm just going to hand this over to you, Steve, and let you walk through your testimony. Just share with us whatever you feel like would be helpful to know in order to understand the miracle that God's done in your life. And then also just to drive home what you feel like would be a principle uh, that would be very helpful to the young people that are listening to this podcast. Sure. I was uh, raised, if you would call it, in a, you know, a Christian home in the world's eyes. Um, wasn't saved. Nobody in our family was saved. We were actually raised Catholic. And uh, growing up, I was the oldest of five. Dad was a dentist. Um, you know, we lived comfortably. Um played sports all my life and uh you know everything was good um in around sixth seventh grade was when i actually got my first viewing of pornography Uh, my dad had magazines uh in the bottom of his cabinet in the bathroom and i just happened to stumble across one of them and that was the uh the beginning of my journey with um viewing issues and at first you know any guy curious to see what's going on you know, go back time and time again, see if there's any magazines down there and so forth. Um, from there, it, you know, it was hit and miss over the next couple of years, but uh, I got involved with drinking in the age of uh, at seventh grade, and uh, that turned out to be a bigger downfall than the viewing. Um, by the time I was a senior in high school, I was drinking a 15 to 12 or 24 pack of beer just to catch a buzz at night. Started working at nightclubs when I was 17 years old. Got introduced into drugs during that time frame. Um, you know, back then you could drink at 18 years old, but obviously I was underage drinking. I was working at nightclubs uh, at the age of 17, 18 years old. Used to hang out in strip clubs. Uh, the guys that I'd work with, we'd go to one of the strip clubs, hang out for a couple hours, smoke some weed, drink while we were there, going to work all night long, and then, you know, party till the hours of the morning. Um, you know, by that time I had switched over to liquor where I was drinking close to a fifth of vodka, five, six nights a week. Just sit up there, people offered to buy me drinks and I would just drink glass after glass of, you know, vodka all night long. And then, you know, by God's grace, I am still here today because there's many nights that I don't remember how I even got home. But, you know, that led to a life of fornication. Uh, I spent many nights, you know, every night, you know, hitting on different girls. Um, I lost my virginity at 17 years old when I was in high school. Um, actually, my first experience with the girls when I was in fifth grade. But, you know, the uh, the drugs, the alcohol, the sleeping around, you know, it was just one thing after another. You know, I thought I was happy, but I wasn't. Um, I grew up in Ohio and I moved down to South Carolina in 89 and to go to college and I met some guys that lived down there worked in nightclub business got me a job working in a strip club 
And so night after night, the stuff was just flaunting in front of me. And, you know, after a while, you get used to it. And to me, it was no big deal. But it was just constantly in my face, night after night. And uh, my first wife was a stripper. I ended up, you know, we were sleeping around. She got pregnant. And we decided that we'd leave Myrtle Beach, go down to Florida, try to get a fresh start. It was nothing I was proud of. We decided, well, you know, we'll get married, do the right thing. And, you know, I continued to drink down there, worked in the strip club down there. She continued to work for a couple months, but she drank while she was pregnant and our just relationship was terrible. I mean, I'd come home drunk. She'd be drinking. There was arguments. There was times she pulled a gun on me and, uh, it was just not a good situation. She had a son from a previous marriage that lived with us and then other families moved in and, uh, it was just not a good scene of, you know, there was abuse, verbal, physical abuse going on. And so I actually left before uh, my daughter was even born and uh, moved in with another girl and lived with her for a while. But the, uh, you know, I just continued to work in the strip club industry for, I think, four or five years. And, and then um, I met my current wife down in Cocoa Beach. You know, we moved back to South Carolina it was more of the same old, same old, you know, I'd gotten divorced from my first wife, you know, we were living together, partying, drinking, working in the strip club. She's going to school. Uh, you know, we decided after a couple of years of dating that we were going to get married, tried to get a normal job, you know, finally got out of the, you know, the strip club business, but the alcohol was still there. Um, you know, the drugs were gone by this point, but you know, we were out going to nightclubs together, drinking together, partying, you know, Got a nice house, had lots of friends, weekends hanging out at the pool, drinking. It was just not a uh, healthy lifestyle, um, as our oldest two daughters have suffered greatly because of uh, actions on my part and my wife's part. Um, but shortly after my uh, current wife and I got married, you know, we still continued to struggle with, you know, there was no God in our life. We, she was working full time. I was working full time and we were living the American dream, big house, new cars, two kids, a couple of dogs, you know, partying, but I wasn't happy. She wasn't happy. We were constantly arguing. We were not intimate together. And that's when the, uh, pornography really started to pick up again. Um, it was just a selfish act on my part. You know, I wasn't happy. She wasn't happy. And it just started with magazines again. There was guys I worked with that had magazines. Eventually started getting on the internet, finding different websites to go to. And uh, this went on from, you know, I'm going on 30 years of marriage. And this went on for the first 25 years of our marriage. Um was until I was 39 years old that we ran into some friends of ours, um, a couple that uh, was going to a church here, and you know we had just moved up into the Greenville area, and my wife wanted to homeschool, and we didn't know anybody, and uh, my wife was getting her hair done, mentioned something about, hey, you know, we want to homeschool our kids, and this lady next to us said I'd do it, and the Lord brought us together, and they were a Christian family and invited us to come to their church, and at that time I had already cheated on my wife a couple of times and we were living in separate homes. We were actually on the verge of a divorce and we had lawyered up and, uh, they invited us to come out to their church. And so we, uh, came out to visit fellowship and 
we kind of looked at each other like, you know, this is not, you know, what we're up here for. I mean, we were worldly wrecks. You know, you got these people all dressed, suit and ties, and looks like they were happy and joy. And that was something I never had. You know, we didn't have it in our marriage. I didn't have it in my life. And so um, about a year after going to church there and, you know, on and off, we started probably six months into it, started faithfully going to church. And, you know, as I heard the gospel preached, you know, I realized I thought I was saved, thought I made a profession when I was younger. But as I continued to read God's word and be into the preaching of it, I realized that I'd never trusted Christ as my savior. And so as I was reading through the book of Romans, you know, I realized that I was lost and doomed to go to hell. And, you know, my wife was saved. And so I had asked the Lord to uh, save me. And uh, he did, um, based off of the truth of his word. And I know that he did. And from the day that I got saved, the alcohol desire went away. Um, from the age of, you know, seventh grade up until 39 years old, I drank. And there was just, it was just gone. The Lord took it away. And, you know, it was truly him. And I was very thankful for that. And obviously, as we quit drinking, you know, the relationship started to get a little bit stronger, but I did not get victory from pornography. Um, that continued to have a hold on my life. That was something that I continued to divulge in, um, as my wife and I still continued to have a rocky relationship. And even as we worked on it, because of my selfish acts, there was just time and time again, I'd get on the computer and look at stuff. You know, it got to the point of bad where the family would go to bed at night and I'd try to find something on the TV, and if we didn't have the channel, just the, watching it through the snowiness of the screen, and that's how bad it had gotten for me, that uh, it was it was terrible. And, uh, you know, I tried to hide it from my family for a while, which I did. Um, you know, my family thought we were doing well. We were serving in the church. The Lord was using me. Um, you know, there were times that I thought I had victory, and there'd, I'd go months at a time, and not even think about it or worry about it. But then again, times would hit, you know, rough times again. I'd start getting selfish again, get angry at my wife. And I'd start looking at the pornography again. And it wasn't until uh, it was four years this past August that um, I got caught. Um, my one daughter, who's at Bible college, who was much savvier on the computer than I was. You know, you go through and erase the history off the computer, thought I got it all. She, uh... She found out that I was looking at it again. And... The look on her face and my wife's face... And to know how bad I let them down devastated me. I had a three-year-old son at the time, as well as a eight-year-old daughter. And I knew I didn't want my son to go down this road. And it was at that time that I knew I needed to do something. I couldn't do it on my own. I tried tried to get God to help me. I thought I'd surrendered to him, but I hadn't. And so I went up to my church that afternoon and met with my pastor and told him what was going on and told him that, 
you know, number one, I needed to hold me accountable, but then I needed help and I needed ways to have accountability, you know, through him, but also at home. And so I had my computer, my cell phone, home computer, all locked down with productive devices that only my wife had passwords to. And I knew one of the things that I needed to do was have an open book for my wife to realize, you know, she needed no full access of what I'm looking at, you know, what I'm trying to get looked at. And, uh, you know, at first it's like, here I am a grown man. Why do I need a babysitter? But you know what? I did. I wanted help. And I didn't want to live that lifestyle anymore. And so, um, after meeting with my pastor, we actually sat down and him and uh, a couple other fellows from our church uh, started the Conquer series. And uh, an accountability group where we were on a group text together and throughout the day, anytime we started to struggle, anytime we had wicked thoughts, bad thoughts, something came up, we text each other and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm struggling, pray for me. And one of the things that I learned to do over that time, you know, was as either bad thoughts started to come into my mind or I started to, you know, veer and think about something, I would start singing gospel hymns. And so the one that I always sing would be the old rugged cross to just help clear my mind and try to get my focus back on the Lord because that's where it needed to be. And so as we continue to go through this Conquer series and um, gradually between having the, the security things on my phone, on my computer, um, having the accountability there, you know, but the biggest thing turned to be is I had to turn everything over to the Lord and trust and depend on Him. And I thought I'd done that in the past, but I truly hadn't surrendered it to him. You know, I'd say, all right, Lord, help me get through this. But it wasn't until I fully said, Lord, you got to take this away. Lord, I got to have your thoughts have to be my thoughts. You got to take the temptations away from me. And if they're there, Lord, I got to trust you. And so I, uh, you know, read through Psalm 51, you know, where David seeking forgiveness from the Lord from his adultery with Bathsheba. You know, it starts off. Have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins and there was times that you know I'd washed my hands of the sin but I never had my heart right and so over that next year or so of a journey of going through the Conquer series it was a time of just total dependence on the Lord I would come to the fact that I couldn't do it anymore and I'd gotten to the point where this past October I've been clean of any pornography for four years. The 
the viewing issues have just disappeared. I mean, I can get on a computer now, and there was times I get on a computer and it'd be like, all right, what can I get to to possibly catch a glimpse of something? And now that thought doesn't even enter my mind anymore. It's been that way for three and a half years where, you know, I still have the protection there. I want the protection there. But I could get on the computer and I think about going somewhere where it's going to take me where I don't want to be or get on my phone and be looking at something. You know, even driving down the road and seeing stuff on billboards to put a nasty thought in my head. There's times that there were billboards that I drive by every day going to work. I said, Lord, make that billboard go away. You know, I knew the days it was there and I'd look the other way or I'd sing a song. And there was a couple of times that, you know, I'd, I'd pray, Lord, take that billboard away. And, you know, it's funny, but within a week or two, that billboard was gone and changed over to something else. And it was uh, just reassurance. That God was in this. That he loved me. And that he wanted me to see victory. And, you know, I have a son who's eight years old now. And the last thing I want him to do is to go through what I went through. To go through the struggles that I went through. To put a possible future wife through that. And I am, uh, you know... I haven't gotten to the point where I've had to sit down and talk to him. I mean, there's things that I have to protect his eyes from. There's certain things that we don't watch on TV because I don't want, you know, commercials could pop up and there's things that I want my son to see. So I still have to protect his eyes, but there will come a time that I will sit down and share my struggles with him. So he does not fall into the same trap as I do. But I am thankful to say that I am it's still clean, and it's a it's a journey. I mean, it's never going to end. I constantly, every day, get up and turn my devotions. You know, Lord, help my thoughts to be your thoughts. You know, keep my eyes focused on you. Keep my heart pure. Keep it clean. But day by day, you know, it has gotten easier where, you know, the thoughts that used to pop up aren't there anymore. You know, looking at a scantily clad lady walking down the road, whether she's jogging her dog, you know, it's, you know, I, I, it's a tunnel vision on the road, trying not to focus what's going on on the sidewalks and and just singing hymns and, and having the joy of the Lord that, you know, I so deeply thought. And I'm just thankful that, you know, I've gotten to the point now where God has given me this victory. And I just pray that, you know, my testimony would help somebody out there that, you know, I tried for years, even after I got saved, thinking, all right, you know, I'm saved. The Lord's going to give me victory. But it wasn't until I totally 100% depended on him to take away the thoughts, to take away the selfishness that I had looking to please myself and getting my own desires met and not my wives or other people's. And so, you know, whatever you're going through and whatever you're struggling with, don't give up because there's a loving God out there that died for our sins and he wants to see you live a pure and clean life he will give it to you but it's a day-by-day battle and uh it, it just comes down to total dependence on the lord amen thank you steve for sharing that that's my 
second time only hearing that story. <laughs> and uh, the thing that stands out, as you know, uh, listeners, you would know that we generally try to pull one point in particular from a testimony that's given on here. And uh, there are so many things we could pull from this. And that matter of total surrender, total dependence, I know, uh, as Steve just mentioned, that that made so much difference for him. And he's expressed that to me. But I think probably what's standing out in your mind is similar to what's what's standing out in mine. And that is, this is just a very unique testimony in that there are not very many fathers who are willing to open up and be this honest. And the uh, to me, the climax of this story is when a daughter found out uh, about the viewing and just the pain that that caused. And you can still sense the regret, remorse, and pain in Steve because of the pain it caused his family. And uh, there is a sense of responsibility that you will have when you have a child that you just otherwise cannot understand. But it's very likely for the majority of our listeners that that day is coming. Now, probably the majority of you do not yet have a child, but that day is coming. And you have a huge responsibility to your children to lead them correctly. I remember in, in, the, uh, in the room where my wife and I were having the ultrasound that would tell us whether ours was a boy or a girl. For some reason, we were absolutely convinced it was a girl. But we, we uh, made ourselves not have a preference, so we would not be disappointed. But we, we just thought it was a girl. Well, when they said it was a boy, it just one it surprised me. But the first thing in my mind was, "Oh no, oh no," because I understood the gravity of what I was going to have to go through in raising a boy in this culture. I knew that that uh, how how I was nearly wrecked by pornography, and I knew what a responsibility I have for this young man. And uh, I, I got together with a group of other new dads, rookie dads, and uh, we meet up once in a while and, and talk things through. Someone recommended a book, and I'll recommend it to anyone. It's called The Intentional Father. And um, in this book, it's really designed for a, a son that is going into, quote-unquote, adulthood, wherever you draw that line. But he likes to focus on going into 13 years old. And he really has written the book for those that have sons that are about ready or are turning 13 somewhere around that age group but for me reading it when my son was just what four or five months old at the time I thought I feel like it's almost already too late like I wish I read this thing so long ago because of the uh, he really starts with ourselves not with our, our children but how are you going to father based on who you are and I thought, man, if I had seen this responsibility when I was a teenager mm. of what it was going to take to be a father, a godly, biblical, intentional father, to be able to lead my son correctly, man, I would have, uh, I would have taken things a lot more seriously. And so maybe some of you want to get a hold of that book, The Intentional Father, and I'm sure there's maybe not every aspect of it I could condone, but I tell you, overall, the message of this is, is awesome, and I think you could be blessed by it. But 
to me when I hear this from Steve's testimony and even how he ended that with wanting to pass on this the 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 purity journey and and uh, this desire for purity to his son uh, and that's going to have to be intentional right that's just not something that's going to to happen um, it's going to be an intentional thing and and much of the motivation that we've seen from teams from Steve's uh, testimony his purity journey has come from actually that motivation to be the the proper father that he needs to be yeah. the father the husband. Steve, do you have any comments just on that aspect of it? And then we'll we'll close here. No, I mean, uh, I started reading that book myself. Actually, Ryan gave my wife and I a copy of it. And I guess I wish I would have had it for my oldest daughter. I mean, I have four kids. And obviously, my oldest two daughters, um, you know, I didn't get saved until later in life. So they weren't raised in a Christian home. But to one, take responsibility for myself to make sure that I am walking with the Lord and having my devotions and, and a right relationship with the Lord. But, uh, you know, not even for sons, even for my daughter. I still have a 13-year-old daughter at home with my son. And so it's something I need to, you know, share with the two of them to make sure that, you know, they're walking with the Lord, but, you know, I have to protect her eyes as well. And the biggest thing is, you know, I can't be the father and lead them down the right path unless I have that walk with the Lord that I need to have. And that and that one-on-one time in prayer, in his word, you know, meditating. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's got to start with me and then work my way down to my children. But it's, I have a long way to go. My son's only eight. And, you know, the way this world is and as, as easy and accessible it is to find the garbage that's out there. I have to, you know, do everything I can to protect both him and my daughter, but, you know, ask the Lord, and the Lord, I need your help in this too. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that out about uh, the daughter as well, because, you know, we're finding more and more. In fact, my wife does almost as much counseling uh, as I do when it comes to purity with young ladies, and uh, so really the gravity needs to be the same, whether it's a son or a daughter, or whether you're a mother or going to be a mother or going to be a father. It's really the same. Uh, same kind of responsibility. So let me just leave you with that. What kind of a parent are you being right now? Even though you likely don't have children, uh, what kind of a parent are you preparing to be? Because that decision starts right now. And uh, I trust that this story will not just uh, fall as a good inspiration, um, but it will change some aspect of your life right now. Uh, Sometimes we can wait until that moment when God just designs our circumstances where we absolutely crash and burn and it's a a dark and low moment of desperation when we have nothing, nowhere else to turn and finally we find him. But you can find Jesus where you're at right now. You don't have to wait until he has to put you through what, he's put, what Steve has had to go through. You don't have to wait for that. And if, uh, if, if Steve's testimony was for you an example that you could use uh, to learn from, I know that it would be it would be so worth it for him. It would be so worth it. He would be thrilled to know that. So, feel free to reach out to us, and even if you want to get in touch with Steve, go ahead and just reach out to me, and I'd be happy to put you in touch with him. Or maybe you want to send uh, a note of encouragement if this was helpful to you, and uh, feel free to do that. Just email me at satisfied at thegeneration dot org, satisfied at thegeneration dot org, and uh, 
Steve would be, uh, I know, encouraged to hear how God has used this in your life. As we conclude here, let me just say that we'll continue doing this month to month, and if there's a testimony that you have, I'm sure it is not exactly the same as Steve's. Everyone is just a little bit different, but praise the Lord. That's the great part about it. Uh, how the Lord works in different ways with each one of us. So even if it's just a paragraph that you wanted to share about how God has been working in your life or a truth that's been helpful for uh, for you, uh, and you say, well, I haven't, I'm not done yet. I haven't arrived yet. Well, that's okay. You just share what God is doing right now because that's probably where we're all at. So share something. Uh, go ahead and send that out to satisfiedthegeneration.org. And if it's something that we feel like would be uh, helpful on the podcast, we would love to share it with your permission. All right, well, that's it for today. Why don't we strive wherever we're at in our lives right now to see the responsibility of parenthood and of leading those that God will likely entrust to us someday. But for this moment, wherever you're at in your life, uh, would God teach us to be less gratified and more satisfied with Jesus Christ? Thanks for joining us for this episode of the The Generation Podcast. If you've been blessed or helped in any way by this episode or any other episodes, please consider sharing what God has done in your life. Your testimony could be exactly what someone else needs to take their own step out of the boat. To share your testimony, please visit thegeneration.org testimony. 